When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. LPN Deep Dives presents A Court of Thorns and Roses. With Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. Well, at least my Whataburger mug is filled with coffee, and it's not just like a jug of It should be show. rum. Oh, it should be rum. Why aren't we getting hammered while we do these? I, what, do we have to focus or something? Oh, I do think it would be a good, fun experiment just once to try to do this, ep- uh, this uh, show intoxicated. I don't want to give any spoilers, so I don't want to say what scene I would like to do this during. Hmm. Oh. But something about a table and something about uh, a dining room. But oh, I, think I was we... going to say, because there's alcohol involved in one of the other ones that involves an inn. Oh, yeah, we could do that. We could get hammered for that one. Have like a very special episode. And then we all find out why you don't drink and try to do a Nakatar episode. Yeah. Plus, I don't know. We got to get loosened up for What's it coming, guys? Oh, yeah. Ooh, I buddies. think that's what lube is for. Yeah, that's lube for our souls and our, I guess, our Aww. stomachs. Yeah, um, I'm so, this is the, wor- the this is the travesty of the week for me. And I want you to feel sad because my dress that was perfect for summer court, Feyre's look, her fashion, did not come in time. And so now I'm wearing just a dress for from my closet. It looks really good though. And I will say my dress is covered in fake blood. So neither it, one of us are here for for the summer court. It, it works for Faye though. They kill a lot. They they yeah. do a lot of stabbing. I am here for the killing. Yeah. I'm not. I'm here for the sex. I mean, some of, <laughs> I will say and the some killing of the killing sometimes. scenes are kind of yes. hot. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Because they're killing bad people. Yes, and that just makes you like them even more. Yeah, there's a scene uh, that Feyre has coming towards the end of this book that always makes me, like, scream a metal scream off of the side of a mountain. Like, yeah! Yeah. Mm. Well, we're not there yet. We're not no, there. No, we're not. We have to go to the summer court first. But first, before that, last time we left off, they were about to take Feyre out on the town. Okay. Yes, please. She thought maybe she was just going to have 
it seemed like she thought maybe she was going to have a date with Rizan. But and he was like, no, everybody, no, no, he brought Awkward. everybody with him. Again, I've brought this up before. It's If you're scared of a first date, bring some friends. Yeah, but maybe like at least tell them beforehand. It's weird if you show up without no, no, notifying the person. True, very true. I would say, my opinion. So we're at chapter 29, and it opens up to the group walking through the streets of Valaris, and it sounds so magical. It's just, it's so... Um, like dreamy all of her scenes are so dreamy i think being like an american makes me think of really old things as just another planet because we don't have old things in this country because we just we just pillaged it we did a country babies yeah Um, sexy country babies yeah i don't yeah Mm. no Mm, 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 that's heavy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we don't need to. This nah, is a light. This yeah. is a light show. That's save it for spun. You know, then then you can put yeah. all that in there. Spun season three coming up. This different for, tone. This is for horny times yes. only and uh, scared times sometimes. But it did, it did remind me again. I keep seeing Italy uh, with Valaris, and I don't know if that's the case, but uh, it was the first time I saw Rome. I was. I, I was like, oh, I've never seen an old thing before. Yeah. This is what old buildings look like. Um, that was just a couple years ago. So uh, I didn't realize until then. No. So Mass gives a lovely description of the shops and people and the bridges crossing the Sidra, the river running through the center of town. Feyre marvels at the theaters and venues because she's never actually seen them before because she was mostly living in poverty in her old life. So Do you she think we had a lot of mimes in Valeris? Like what kind of like shows do you think that they have? Do you, th- you think that there's people in the streets like with puppets? Well, I told you, I think that they have a murder fist for Faye there. They have improv teams. I mean, maybe then I did wear the appropriate blood splattered mm-hmm. costume that I have. Yeah. Because you know what? Sometimes really difficult to get blood out of your clothes. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's something I want you to say. I learned that on the Akatar podcast. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I think probably there are only um, very talented mimes. Let's just say that. I will say that all of the artists are skilled in in their genres. Scale of one to ten, how scared are you of mimes? Zero. Wow. Yeah. Really? Not the, not the like the no speaking doesn't affect you. I'm a dancer. I that's kind of what, <laughs> what mm, we do. Maybe you should. Have you ever going started thinking about like going la 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 la. La 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 as wow, you dance. Yeah. To not be like mimes. Yeah. Uh no, but I mean I can try. I'm not give scared. It a shot. One out of ten, I am like three point five scared of dancers. That's fair. Yes. A lot of them are very scary mm-hmm. uh with their drive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen Black Swan, but it's not that far off. Um and center stage. So Feyre, a lot of this is new, not just because of being Faye, it's also because she was a poor. And so she notes how no one seems worried or scared in Valaris, and that's really contrasting to, like, basically anywhere she's ever been before this, that they're just simply living and enjoying life. This time, though, she doesn't seem filled with that same anger and resentment that she had when Reese first showed her Valaris, and she was so pissed about it, which, understandably. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the sounds of it all might have been the most beautiful thing I'd ever heard. The people and the river and the music, the clank of silverware on plates, 
the scrape of chairs being pulled out and pushed in, the shouts of vendors selling their wares as they ambled past. All of those weird fucking mimes. <laughs> that's not what Oh, it that's says. not a part of it. <laughs> it's mimes. Mimes on every corner. <laughs> Never seen so many so mimes. So many mimes. It was quite silent on the street. No one was talking. <laughs> and yet filled with a rhythmic energy of their hands being... Clapped? Yes, that's also a step team. They're mime step teams. Now, if it was a mime step team, I'm all aboard that. Okay, that's a dancer. Yes. <laughs> that's well, 3.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> mime step team is a dancer. Um, yeah, I think you're just describing dancing. And you think that's what I like is. dancing. <laughs> so. <laughs> she. Farah's past this now. She's done wallowing and weeping. She wants to live. Yes. It really seems like the weight of Tamlin had kept on her, has like kept her barely above water. And now that she, as you recall, last episode said goodbye to Tamlin. Mm -hmm. Wrote that letter. She seems sort of like free. And she was only lashed to him, it seems like maybe out of guilt. And now she's sort of like, wee! Um, after a leisurely stroll, they stop at a restaurant beside the river, one where the owner knows all of them and hugs and kisses them, treats them like royalty, not just because of who they are, but they must come here often. They're like family. It's like cheers. Oh, I thought it was like Olive Garden. Oh, yeah. When you're there, you're family, but yeah. also where everybody knows your name. Mm, sure. And it is definitely a good place to go if you want to impress somebody, you know, like. Rizan's really, like, thrown in the charm here, being like, I'm going to take you to the place where everybody claps at me when I walk in and be like, ah! Oh! It's like uh, an anchorman. She yeah. takes you to the flute place. Um, oh, my God. If Riz started playing the flute. What? Yeah. Into it. Not into flute players, huh? I just don't—this was news to me. I didn't yeah. know you started replaying the flute. No, if he started playing the flute like an anchorman. Oh, I thought you were saying that you used, that I used to play the flute. <laughs> Imagine all these years you've known me so many years, and it's like my se big secret. I'm a huge flute player. I know I got the lips. It's I just especially because it's especially because I, I I always talk about how I was not allowed to play the flute because only the pretty girls were given flutes at my school, and I was a clarinet girl. They were like, "You need a clarinet." I don't know if you're really. Yeah, but a isn't flute that a woodwind? Girl. But it's not as sexy, I think, because the flute's like, and the clarinet's more like, I'm, I throw it out there. I think a clarinet's sexier than a flute. Whoa. It's more phallic. Hot takes today. Well, okay. Well, you did, my my elementary school did not agree with you. So, uh, <clears throat> oh my God. So they walk into this place, uh, and the owner sits them at this table that's half in and half out of the restaurant. And it's make it's like makes me miss a place I've never been. I just want to go so badly. It's just like <laughs> half out of the restaurant on the street overlooking the river. Uh, just so I don't know. It feels like, oh, what a nice memory. But I'm like, I didn't actually it's not our I didn't go memory. here. Um but SJM really does a, a good job of creating these sort of dreamy scenarios. She really does. The place is spelled to make the weather and breeze perfectly temperate as they look out over the endless, sparkly night sky. Um, I'd never had such food, warm and rich and savory and spicy, like it filled not only my stomach, but that lingering hole in my chest, too. 
So the owner comes over to the table and asks if, if Feyre likes the food during this meal. And Feyre notes how happy and fulfilled the woman seems, enjoying her craft of cooking. And you guess what it, it does? What does it do? Makes her think of her She painting. just needs to paint it. Food's so good, makes you want to squirt the paint out. That's what the tagline for this restaurant should be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I feel like this is to, to describe how she's beginning to heal because she's thinking about things she likes again and not just like, how am I going to get through the next day? How am I going to get through the day after I barfed all night? She's like, oh, I like things. I think that's a nice, you know, the world is healing kind of moment. Yeah, and she's like becoming, she's actually feeling again. Yeah. And so Feyre responds, I've lived in the mortal realm and I've lived in other courts, but I've never had food like this. Food that makes me feel awake. What awake. Um, I think that's a lovely response. It is. When she turns back to the table after she's done speaking to this, the cook, she notes that Risan is watching her with soft eyes. Aw, because he's seeing her heal. It's like a soft-boiled egg. His eyes? Yeah, what if his eyes were replaced with soft-boiled eggs? <laughs> I don't know. That, you said that sensually. That's horrifying. <laughs> that's horrifying. He yokes for me. Oh, that's so scary. I hate it. <laughs> So sorry, I'm, I'm in a weird headspace today. <laughs> I guess so. I think it's because you're wearing one of your murder fist costumes. I think that's really what it is, just knowing I'm covered in crusted blood. <laughs> the meat really makes me like, it, it, this makes me feel, what a lick. Oh, wow. What a lick. Um, good thing you're having a murder fist reunion this year. Oh, get your butts ready. I'm scared. I'm also very, very scared of it. Just then we learn what Amrin eats. Feyre's never seen her really eat food and has wondered about her diet, and here we get our answer. The owner of the restaurant brings out a big old goblet of beast blood. Mm-hmm. Piping hot. As they're wrapping up dinner, Moore declares that she wants to go dancing. Apparently, there's a good spot called Rita's right up the street. And I'll go with you, Morgan! Should, there's something about a place called Rita's. Like, it just makes me want, I want to go to any place called Rita's. Italian ice? Yes, have a Rita. Yeah. But then also margaritas. Oh, yeah. And I just f- feel like Rita's just like Rita's a, a big, good time. Like, yeah, Rita's always a good time. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that sounds like a really fun spot. Azriel, uh, being a little bit of a thirsty boy, maybe too quickly says, I'll go with you. <laughs> There's a bit of awkward back and forth. And then as Cass and Moore start to make their way to the dance hall, all deciding that they're going to go up and have a nice night. Feyre watches the way Az watches Moore. And Cass walk arm in arm. And Aww. it's sort of just like a, because more, you know, kind of dodges around as and then like links arms with Cassian as they walk. And, and Feyre's observing all of this as, as is sort of like, oh, yikes. Oh, man. As loves her. But, you know, they, they she can't interject in this. She's just sort of watching it. Feyre is exhausted and is alarmed at the idea of going out even later than it is. So she looks to appeal to the others, but realizes Amran has disappeared. She's getting more blood in the back to take home with her, Reese said in my ear, and I nearly jumped out of my skin. His chuckle was warm against my neck. And then she'll be going right back to her apartment to gorge herself. So when Feyre's like, well, okay, so what's with, what's with the blood? Yeah. 
why does she need it? And Reese says it doesn't seem polite to ask, so he never has. <laughs> <laughs> All the hundreds of years. Like, they've never had just like, a, why is it blood? So what's, uh, what's, what's up, up with that? this? Huh? So it's back to just Reese and Feyre. Gulp. Oh, my God. Reese offers to walk her home. Oh. And she seems, like, very freaked out by the idea, but she begrudgingly accepts it. She seems more nervous than anything, not like she doesn't want to walk with him. Um, I would be. Yeah. In this Violet eyes. <laughs> I can never get over not soft-boiled eggs, but violet. Why did you do this? Eggs. Violet eggs. <laughs> like Easter eggs? Like, like painted? Yes, like painted eggs. Oh, gross. <laughs> now I can't get that image out of my <laughs> I'm head. Sorry. Um <laughs> this uh so the smooth operator takes her to his favorite view of the city on a bridge overlooking the rainbow of Alaris. I mean, seriously, really trying to close the deal here. Yeah, with her. man. I would after this walk, this like beautiful walk, the way that uh, Moss writes this scene. I, know. I just want to be there with them, and I would just, in a heartbeat, be like, "Yes, I'll sleep with you." <laughs> yes, right here. That's fine. Yes, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So he takes her to this beautiful spot, and he tells her about how it was his sister's favorite too, her favorite place to look. And uh, of course, we're re- referencing his deceased sister, who we don't know too much about, just that she is deceased. That's how we get a. A sympathetic male character, usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so she asks why he doesn't live down amongst the bustle. And he says he likes a quiet place to retreat to after being in the middle of the city. And that's why we live in the valley, too. You know, sometimes oh the beauty and glamour of West Hollywood is just, just too just overwhelming. too much for us. And everyone's always saying, like, you beautiful women, stop. Sign my yearbooks. And we're like, we can't. We, we don't can't, have please. the time to. I need my privacy. It's just like that. It is just like that all the time. Um Plus, he says, looking into her face, there are a great many things that he wishes to do and doesn't get to. I hadn't realized how close we were standing. So when you buy jewelry for Amrin, is it to keep yourself in her good graces or because you're together? <laughs> so it's times like there's just times like this where you're like, oh, girl, you are 19 years yeah, yeah, old. Yeah. Like you forget because, you know, she's like, you know, cars breaker or whatever. Yeah, all that she's shit. like she seems like cauldron made where she's like beyond her 19 years in this. So like you're buying jewelry for her. Is that like so because you like like her or <laughs> should I write it down on a note for you for you to tell me about it <laughs> or because you're together? Does it seem like they're together? I know you just got to like make sure. I think also in, in this point she were like will not let him she won't let her even tell herself that she finds him so alluring so she's still just trying to make it conversational like really awkwardly one elbow on the railing like are you over. single <laughs> ah, just out of curiosity so I understand not for me like for <laughs> other people so when they ask me I can tell them that yeah. you are single or not yeah so he laughs and admits that he once tried to bed her a long time ago and she laughed in his face. I'd watch that tape. I'd watch that oh tape. Oh, my God. Watch that tape. So many. Amarin is so, so many scary tapes. but so hot inside oh, yeah. of my head. Oh, I lo- oh my God. She's so sexy. But, yes, terrifying. Gives me like an terrifying. Isabella Rossellini mm. from yes. Death Becomes Her vibes. I can definitely see that. Um, a lot of women from David Lynch films I could see her as yes. just like – 
perfect and icy and, and terrifying, but like a body that'll just fucking wreck you. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and she drinks blood. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, no, we're all doing this now. Yep. It, Henry infected us. Technically, Cardi B infected us, but Henry started it in the friend group. Yes. Um. So... He says that he goes on to say, no, he buys her jewelry because she's his friend and she likes it. And he's trying to keep in her, you know, good graces because she's a terrifying ancient monster. Mm -hmm. So she continues her like very subtle query. Never been married either, huh? He says, no, he's never met someone he wanted to share his life with. Besides, he says he doesn't think anyone would have said yes. And she's sort of uh, going, are you sure? Ooh. Insanely hot, dark lord of night. Yeah, you're made of shadows. Like, yeah, you're made up of the night sky. But he no says. No one wants to tap that? I mean, I think lots of people want to tap yes. that. They just don't want to marry that. Yes, I agree. I think that that's kind of what he's saying is the night sky is a lot to handle. I mean, yeah. fuck, marry, kill. I'm asking it now. Reese, <gasps> Cassian, Azrael. Bat we boys, can't. bat boys, fuck Mary Kill. You can't Natalie, throw you this have to do me. it. You have to, you have to say it. Oh my god. Oh um, my god. I'm going to. Uh, this is gonna. This is difficult. I'm going to fuck Cassian. I'm gonna marry Reese, and I'm gonna kill Azrael. Man, that sucks because I'm exactly the same. Whoa, sister. Okay, this is hard because not everybody has read through the books. So I, I know. Can't I know. Make I know. this conclusion yet, and also we don't actually know fully. Everybody or maybe, maybe that was my decision of where we're at in the books okay. right now. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I accept that. But also, you should totally, if you're reading along with this, you should write down your fuck, Mary kill for them and then see if it changes overall. Mm, very Ooh, interesting. Fuck, Mary kill experiment. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So, yes. He, so he basically is saying, well, y I am a high lord, but that means I'm incredibly it's dangerous to be near me and outside of the city he reminds her he's deeply hated he's looked at as a monster um why she pushes again why does he keep this persona up he's so va he's vague but he divulges that an ancient high lord chose to stage a coup to protect the city during a time of drastic uncertainty and this is a facade that they've kept up over these 5000 years to Ideally, just like protect everyone who lives here and keep a, a pure place of of um, Prithian. And whether or not that was a wise choice for them to do, it has kept the peace inside their borders for all of these thousands of years. And also, who's to say that, you know, he's a really nice high lord that happens to be made up of the night sky. But I'm sure there are other high lords from that worked, that lived, that presided over the night court that could have been scarier, and maybe they were more like that. I mean, I think they were. They allude to his father being sort of that way. Yeah. Um, so as they continue to discuss the history of the city and its people, Feyre decides to be a bit of a busybody and inquire about who's kissing who amongst the trio of Moore, Cassian, and Az. And frankly, I'll watch the tape of any combo any of, of any number of the three of them. Any of them. One, watch two, three, uh, upside down, yes. in a treehouse. Oh, yeah. Yep, I don't care. Definitely in a treehouse. Yeah. Oh, they'd fly up there, too. <sighs> Reese <laughs> brushes this off, though, saying it's none of his business and kind of suggesting it's not really your business either, Pharaoh. Man. And it's not, but I aren't, wouldn't you be curious? So curious. So then as Pharaoh on her, her atrophied muscles are not really 
being able to walk that well because she's mostly been withering away in the spring court and is about to beg Reese to fly her home instead of walk. I was about to beg Reese to fly me home when I caught the strands of music pouring from a group of performers outside a restaurant. My hands slackened at my sides. A reduced version of the symphony I'd heard in a chill dungeon when I had been so lost to terror and despair that I had hallucinated as this music poured into my cell and kept me from shattering. It's the music she heard that saved her in that moment after she got out of the spiky ceiling (gasps) challenge. And she and Lucien had lived, but she was falling apart. She was at the end of her mental tether when that music came over her and reminded her of life and happiness and gave her enough strength to persevere a little longer. Angel of music! It's like the Phantom of the Opera. Right, a little bit. Favor realizes it was Rizan who sent it to her. (gasps) Shock fills her body. Why? Why did he do this? Rizan's voice was hoarse. Because you were breaking, and I couldn't find another way to save you. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine someone saying that to you? I'd be like, me, me. Why do you want to say me? <laughs> Never. Oh, but not perfect stoic Feyre. No, she no, doesn't do that. Of course not. I love Feyre. I'm not trying to be mean. I know. She then realizes the images that ran through her mind as she was hearing this music going through the cell. She's right in the middle of what she saw. She just wasn't seeing it from the ground. She saw Valaris. She saw the night court. He glanced sidelong at me. I didn't send those images to you. So, weirdly, she got the images of Valaris without him, but the music he sent. She doesn't care, though. I think she's about to drop her panties on the street right there. In fact. <laughs> yeah, dude. But instead, she simply says, thank you. This brings quite a smile to Reese's face, and he scoops her up and flies her the rest of the way back to the townhouse. Faber realizes she could learn to love flying. Oh, someone is really leaning into this night court life. I, I get it. Take me there. So mad. It's not real. I know. Um, I do think this really was a matter of her just like, I've had those kind of relationships where you just need, to, like we talked about last week, I think. You just, once that is gone, you're just like, I'm a child again. Yes. Um. So she kind of just already, yes, ending all of this. Um. This chapter ends with a bit of boldness on both Reese and Feyre's ends. They are Faye texting through their magical letter system. Oh, my God. And they just write, and then the note disappears, and then the pen shows back up with another letter, and they write, and it's, I love magical texting. It's so cute. And Reese baits Feyre with asking her to come tend to his wounds. Not to be outdone, Feyre makes it a bit more clear in this scene that she's not shying away from his advances. Because if she didn't set up a dirty response again, girl, please, she says, go lick your wounds and leave me be. That is a test and a half, okay? Yes. And he's right there shooting the target. I'd much rather you lick my wounds for me. (laughs) Ah! But also, I don't know that would be um, actually very sexy in practice. 
Well, actually licking wounds. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, think yeah. they're being literal? He wants her to actually come I don't clean think so. his wounds <laughs> like a dog. But like that's just her going. That would be awkward if she came to seduce him and he like wanted her to actually like clean <laughs> his wounds out, clean it up. I get go get the swab. She's like, oh, I thought this was a very different interaction. <laughs> um, I mean, you never know the context in Faye texting. You know, true. you know, you can't, you can't hear the tell. voice. You're right. Um, so the scene escalates, but we're going to have having somebody else read it, so we can just leave it there. Yes. Feyre sleeps through this night, which is kind of remarkable for her. The next day, Feyre and the readers are gifted a scene at the training ring atop the House of Wind. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we visited the training ring, and it'll be far from the last. Mm-hmm. Feyre has begun her fighting lessons, and Cassian's giving her the basic rundown of how to throw a punch. Feyre casually, not casually, mentions that, oh, Asriel and Reese are also there sparring, just, you know, just oh, noting the yeah. environment around here. Yeah. Oh, I think they took their shirts off oh or something. Oh, my God. They, like, don't have their shirts on. I don't really know because oh I'm being really serious about my training. Yeah. So She's very uh, focused. She notes their tattoos the first time we're getting a glance of the markings they receive when they're ranked as warriors. Oh, yes. Which covers their backs. <laughs> Which covers their pecs and shoulders, as well as a line of them down their spine. It's at that moment Feyre fully realizes that Reese's bargain tattoo, the one that he's inked on her arm, is also of the Illyrian markings. Interesting. Mm. We get the tattoos. <laughs> Trying to be a Cassian. Get, we get the tattoos when we're initiated as Illyrian warriors for luck and glory on the battlefield. Cassian said, following my stare. I doubted Cassian was drinking in the rest of the image, though. The stomach muscles gleaming with sweat in the bright sun. The bunching of their powerful thighs. The rippling strength in their backs surrounding those mighty, beautiful wings. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's very funny to have you read this while I'm sitting next to you sound wonderful. <laughs> so I'm trying to get across like her dripping with horniness. But trying to act like she's not yes. at the same time because even in her head, she's not fully saying what she's thinking. No. So not that she's, you know, of course she's not really looking or anything. No. no, um, no. She wonders if her bargain tattoo was Reese's way of wishing her luck against Amarantha. While they take a break, Cassian questions when Feyre was going to tell him that she has disavowed the spring court. Feyre's taken a bit back, not realizing that everyone knows already. But they're the inner circle, baby. They're going to all know. Of course. She's a bit miffed, but Cassian apologizes, saying that he didn't mean to put her on the spot. It was just his, quote, shitty way of reaching out. Oh, he's a himbo. He is a himbo. He's trying, you know. He's a caring himbo. He's lovely. He's just, he doesn't know how to say thoughts sometimes. Yeah. However, it's eating at her as she continues to practice her fighting stance. And as punching something often does, at least in my experience, it brings out some rage. It's soothing ultimately, but also it's rage. It is anger whenever you're kind of going through punches and stuff. So, 
you kind of just go through that process. And it is it is like cleansing, you know. It's here in this moment of aggression that she begins to feel, really feel her anger towards Tamlin. Anger that she's hidden behind guilt and shame and self-loathing. And, oh, I do understand yes. that feeling. <laughs> Get it out of your body. Get those toxins out. Yeah. That moment when you don't take on the entire burden of someone else's actions, when you're not blaming yourself for every single thing that happened. She finally acknowledges what a lot of us reading the books are thinking. He did nothing as she was being ripped to pieces under the mountain. He just, just sat, sat there. there. He didn't plot. He didn't rage. He just sat and cucked himself. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to call it. And yes, he was trapped. But Rizan and Lucian found ways to help her, even in the smallest amounts. I will say I'm really, uh, I have fallen into a lot of hardcore Akatar TikTok. Oh, no. And I did see someone say, what if, okay, just throwing this out there. What if Amarantha and Tamlin were mated? Oh, I think that somebody wrote fanfic about that or something. Did they really? Because I saw that and I was just like, whoa. And at first it was like, no fucking way. And then I was like, well, I mean, it would be interesting. I actually, that's interesting. I actually read fanfic about Tamlin and Ianthi being. Oh. That's what I was thinking of. I wish that I I could remember where I read it. I'm sorry if anybody knows whose fanfic that was. Or if there's, yeah, if there's one of the other one that I was talking about, please send it in. Yeah, I don't want to read any, like, sexual fanfic about Amarantha because she's an artist, but I want to hear fanfic about, like, theories. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we, uh, we, I, we don't have an Akatar-specific TikTok, unfortunately, but both Jackie and I have been posting on Page 7's and my personal, the Anatty oh, Chino yeah. TikTok. Um, I mean, we get all dressed up. How can we not make TikToks? Yeah. Oh, by the way, people keep asking us about what— um, the videos that we've been like little clips we're going to be posting the full episodes of these shows on YouTube sh- very soon and also we should be put clips on the last podcast network Instagram sometimes our own personal Jack that worm the Natty Jean they go up sometimes and sometimes on TikTok so those will be coming that way yes um so back to the training ring yes uh with these rippling butts they didn't mention the butts but the butts are very apparent in my brain they're probably rippling yeah and when amarantha had broken me when she had snapped my bones and made my blood boil in its veins he'd just knelt and begged her he hadn't tried to kill her hadn't crawled for me yes he'd fought for me but I'd fought harder for him. Interesting she notes he hadn't crawled for her because somebody else did crawl for Whoa. her, if I recall. Mm. Slam, slam, slam her fist into the sparring pads. She's so mad, her thoughts accelerating with the tempo of her swings. And he had the nerve once his powers were back to shove me into a cage. The nerve to say I was no longer useful. I was to be cloistered for his peace of mind. He'd given me everything I needed to become myself, to feel safe. And when he got what he wanted, he just didn't want Feyre to be herself. He wanted something easier. He wanted something he could wrap his head around. She acknowledges that he isn't evil, and I don't think he is, but maybe she's coming to grips with the reality that they are not right for each other. Yeah, dude. And in that realization, the truth of what she'd done to get him back— Fills her completely. She's so angry. 
I killed them. Feyre's filled with rage and sorrow and tears, and she's burned right through the pads she was hitting as she really understands and conceptualizes and says out loud that she had to murder innocent people to get them all saved out of the under the mountain. So she burns right through the pads, through the wraps on her skin. Damn, she's powerful. Yeah. It's brought around her fire gifts from the autumn court. Damn. Cassian is just watching her. He's not judging. He, of course, knows too well the cost of being the warrior, the savior. The number of fairies he's killed is probably unfathomable. He stays with her, though, as she sobs, his head bowed. Then she's surrounded in shade and looks up, and he's on his cocoon them inside of his wings, just she and him. He makes her look up at his face as he comforts her, that he also knows this pain and that she isn't alone. Oh. She doesn't hold, he doesn't hold her. They're still sort of at odds with one another, so this isn't a, an intimate embrace, but he speaks to her gently and wipes her tears away with his thumbs. I'm sorry I didn't find a way to spare you from what happened under the mountain. Reese said with equal quiet. From dying. He tells her that he has nightmares of her, na- her neck snapping still. And while she's still upset, I get the vaguest sense that she's having other feelings as she begins staring at his shirtless chest. <laughs> I examine the tattoos on his chest and arms, the glow of his tan skin, so golden now that he was no longer caged inside that mountain. I stopped my perusal when I got to the V of muscles that flowed beneath the waist of his leather pants. Why? Uh, <laughs> what are you being respectful or something? I think it's because Pharaoh wants to be a doctor and she's trying to learn oh, the muscular that's system. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's how those muscles go yeah. where it forms a V and then it oh, oh and another muscle down there. I believe that's the tra- the pyramidalis muscle. Sure, yes. So as Pharaoh gathers herself, he tries to help her shake it all off by asking her to try to summon darkness. His trait she tells him to put a shirt on, presumably because, again, the learning anatomy is very hard to concentrate she, on other too things. Too many dreams of being a doctor. Rhi seems to enjoy that she's getting flustered by his toplessness. <laughs> she attempts to summon the darkness but isn't successful. However, as she opens her eyes after the attempt, Reese has filled the sparring ring with his own breed of darkness. Quiet. Soft. Peaceful. He's filled all of it with this this night sky that he can emanate and bring from himself, and stars begin to appear within it. I shifted the star between my fingers like a coin on the hand of a magician. Here in the soothing, sparkling dark, a steady breath filled my lungs. I couldn't remember the last time I'd done such a thing. Breathed easily. <sighs> Dude, someone just, like, puts a star in your hand that you can touch? Sploosh! And she's looking at the V, man? Sploosh! Looking right at that V in the sky. And like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't need a V. I honestly, usually it's not something that I'm looking for, but in this instance, if it also comes with being shrouded in night. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm not, like, craving Vs or anything. No, but, but in this instance, whoo! 
you know. Yo! Wow! Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton, for the stay. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So chapter 31 opens with them returning to the ring atop the House of Wind, this time joined by Amron and Moore. Apparently, Reese has some news to share with everyone. Mm. The summer court has responded to Reese's letter and has invited them for a visit. After much debate and contemplation, it's decided that Rizen will be joined by Amrin and Farah. Farah is surprised by this, but according to Reese, it's because of the many intertwined and tangled relationships that they share throughout the years, apparently including Cassie and destroying a building at the summer court at some point in the history of the, their relationship. But Reese may have other reasons we're not privy to at this point. What we know is that they need to get their hands on the Fey half of the Book of Breathings, and Farah is their best bet to do this. Which, remember, that is the same book. That's why, like, Reese tested her going into um, the Weaver's Weaver. house to see if the if the book, if like will call to like. So that was the practice. This is the real thing. This is the big show. Yeah, this ain't no dress rehearsal. No, baby. It's a big show. So combined with Amrin, whose ancient magics are their own beast, where she'll be able to sort of help analyze, like— um, you know, if there's extra spells on things, she can sense those sort of things. Perhaps it would be the best disguise if Reese didn't arrive with a brute squad, but two slender men or two slender men. <laughs> slender men. <laughs> I mean, that would also really bring the house down, just I guess. Two slender men. Not them. just one, but two slender men. <laughs> no, but it would, you know, it would probably be the best disguise if 
if he came with like a bunch of like brutish, brutish soldiers, it would seem like they were being aggressive. So he brings these two little women, you know, these and it's these harmless women who mm-hmm. most certainly couldn't do anything. Um, so as the meeting ends, Ferris snipes at Reese and says, and he says that he was sure that their feud was over after their little note exchange the other night. <laughs> she tries to brush it off, joking that he must have better things to do. I do have more important things to do, he purred. But I find myself unable to resist the temptation, the same way you can't resist watching me whenever we're out. So territorial. <laughs> He's referencing a brief memory Feyre has at the beginning of this chapter of a recent night they went out with this inner circle to a dance club. And she herself was noting him holding court at the bar across the room. So she doesn't have anything to really say to that because she was she, like, watching She totally him. was, man. She counters that he hasn't been able to stay away from her since Colin Mai. Oh, Back in spring court days. Ooh. And while both are being playful and almost childish, there is an undertone that's something else in their exchanges. So off they go, preparing for their journey to Adriata, the grand city inside of the summer court. Feyre's job, first and foremost, is to maintain a mask of harmlessness. It's true that they are taking a risk by revealing she is now the pet of the High Lord of Night. But it's important that the outside world doesn't yet know about her exceptional talents or really what she's even doing in the night yeah. court. Not until they can get their bearings about where the other high lords stand as far as where they'll, they'll go um, for this war coming. So we have some Phaeacians. Yes, we do. Reading this section, like rereading this section again, I was just like, damn, we gots to talk about the Phaeacians. I know. So Amran, I think I have a really good Amran, Amran fit. Um, her her Phaeacians are obviously all gray. And that was really hard to find, actually. Yeah. But um, I think I got a good one coming up. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but then... So this flowing lilac dress, skirts floating on a phantom wind beneath the silver and pearl-crusted belt at my waist. I'm so mad because— That was that it was at the dress? Yeah. I'm still going to wear it later on oh, for yeah. another episode. Matching night-blooming silver flowers had been embroidered to climb from the hem and brush the thighs. Ugh. Twines down the folds of her shirt. Ugh, it's just so beautiful and perfect in summary. Yes. Ugh. So Reese is in his trademark all-black and silver thread. So Reese is in his trademark, all black with silver threads. When Feyre emerges, you can tell she's expecting Reese's mouth to pop open and his tongue to roll out on the floor. But he's being kind of a grump because she's kind of disappointed because she thinks she I think she feels really pretty. Which good for her because I think this is the first time she actually feels pretty. Yes. I think that she's sort of like as she's healing, she wants to feel pretty again a little bit. Good for her. Yeah. Though she doesn't say it, even in her head, you can tell she's, you know, disappointed. Moments later, he takes both her and Amran by the hand and winnows them to a balcony just off the sea. And we learn that we are in a bustling sea city filled with buildings made of light stone, coral, and pearl, covered in turrets and spirals with red roofs. It sounds like sandcastles brought to life, dotted along the shores. Sounds so beautiful. Feyre, Reese, and Amran have landed themselves on this balcony situated on an island estate, just off the coast of the bigger city, sort of like a private royal island. We don't like those a lot of the time. No. This is not Epstein Island. No. They are greeted by officials, the Lord of Summer at the center, Ferris. Oh, the Lord of Summer. Yeah, is it? he's pretty I, spicy. I, I mean, I have fallen in love again with him yeah. this time around as well, and I'm excited that we that you guys are also getting to meet him right now because um, he's great. Yeah, he is. Um, I'll make kiss on him. 
anytime. Oh, my God. So they're greeted by, yes, the Lord of Summer at the center with all these officials around him. And Feyre thinks about how she can feel him inside based on her own drop of his power. Because, of course, he gave a piece of himself over to her to revive her under the mountain. So he was there that day whenever she died. And he she got a little drop of his summer powers. That little piece seems to be calling towards her. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> sounds, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He left it in her. Uh, maybe she, I think that drop would be a lot bigger. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, this is just a little bloop. Oh, it's just a bloop. It's just a bloop. Yeah, it's just a little bloop. Uh, and it seems to be calling towards him inside of her body. Tarquin is his name. And Feyre describes him as very handsome. The five other people behind the High Lord of Summer swapped frowns of varying severity. Like their lord, their skin was dark, their hair in shades of white or silver, as if they had lived under the bright sun their entire lives. Their eyes, however, were of every color, and they now shifted between me and Amran. So... Tarquin also seems quite taken with Feyre, <laughs> though we don't know how much is based on her beauty and how much is because a piece of him lives in her, but he's entranced. His gaze drifted to my chest, the bare skin revealed by the sweeping V of my gown, as if he could see where that spark of life, his power, had gone. Reese followed that gaze. Her breasts are rather spectacular, aren't they? <laughs> Delicious as ripe apples. Now who's watching who, Reese? Who's watching who? Scandalous. Yes. Um, a lot, another V. A lot of sexy Vs in this. Yeah, man. Um, Feyre counters that she thought he was preoccupied with her mouth. <laughs> she sees Reese's delight and everyone else in the room is just standing there where they mic eyes at each other. I think, like, everyone's just watching them fuck each other with their with eyes. With their eyes, Constantly yes. now. Um... <laughs> Here we also meet Princess Crusada, which is Tarquin's associate, but apparently not his partner, as we'll learn. Followed by Crusada's younger brother, Varian, who seems wrapped with attention on Amarin. Yeah, of course. But also, I love it, too, where it's just like, is he just terrified of her? Which would make complete sense. Yeah, but it's very funny. I love the way that they introduce this interaction because... He is staring at her in a way that could be lust or, like, um, ready to fight her. Yes. <laughs> like, waiting for her to jump. Um, so their castle is, you know, a summer dream of beautiful shell designs and sea glass chandeliers and breezes along the ocean. Because this isn't a space for me. I would throw that out there. Like, I don't lust for summer court the way I lust for night court. But I could totally see how there's many people that would way easier lust for summer court than night court. I get Airbnb there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'll hang out there. Like, I'll, I will make love upon its shores. Of course. But then I'll be like, oh, I'm covered in sand. I know. Then you're sandy. Yeah. And you know I don't like to be dirty. mm, -mm. This chapter, we're introduced to the layout of the summer court, along with getting a sense of the personalities of the ruling members as they sit in this glass-walled room overlooking the turquoise sea. Tarquin reveals that they are still picking up the pieces of the destruction laid out by Amarantha. Feyre knows in these moments it is vital for her to charm and soothe the Lord of Summer, that they must earn his trust, which she seems to do as Tarquin softens to her rather quickly. She flirts with him. 
I do not remember you being quite so handsome under the mountain. The sunlight and sea suit you. Oh. I mean, she's doing what she's she's doing her job. But yeah. she, I think she's also kind of like not that mad about it. Yeah, you know? I think she's going above and beyond with her work right now. Yeah. So Tarquin goes on to ask her what her position is in the night court. And though Feyre thinks she's having a private discussion with Tarquin, Reese is actually listening through his bond or some other way. Feyre is a member of my inner circle and is my emissary to the mortal lands. So <clears throat> he's kind of stepping in and trying to make sure that he gets the idea of what Feyre is here. Mm-hmm. They get to business then. Hibern is preparing to strike. While the threat of Hibern isn't a surprise to Tarquin, Reese stresses that they are almost out of time before the war begins. He's appealing to Tarquin, hoping that they will be able to side together. Tarquin is already prepared to go to war against the forces, but he says that he is not willing to fight in another war. And when Feyre looks confused at this, this other war, what do you mean another war? Crusader explains that wars have begun over women before, and it is alluding to a war against the spring court for Feyre's hand. Damn. Reese quickly shuts this, shuts it down. Yes. And Feyre adds that it was her decision to be here with the night court. She wasn't stolen. Crusader's not... And she's like, I wrote a note. I told him in the note what happened. It was on She broke up with him with a note. That's, I mean, it's rough, man. But, again, he was violent, so you're allowed. I'm I'm saying definitely break his heart, but still broken up with a note. I think once you get scary in that way, you don't, you, you... I, it's because I've broken up with somebody before. Oh, no, yeah, so no. Oh, I'm gotcha. defending myself. Oh, I understand. Um, Because I've done it, it's fine. No, anyone I was scared of, I just left and was like, F off. Whoa. Yeah, I said, F. <laughs> you get F. F. You, you, <laughs> you S of a B. So I guess technically writing a note is, is nicer than just saying you can F. But also probably sort of trying to avoid this very scenario of being, oh, no, he's going to start another war to to get me back. Although it would be, like, kind of cute, though. He hasn't, he's not a man of action, it seems like, sometimes. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think he's just going to, like, sit and pout and destroy his own home. Yeah, which is really what he does a lot, is just break all of his own stuff. It's just um, so dumb. In the same way when, like, when people are just violent in, in general, just like, that's so dumb. Yeah. What an idiot's, what a coward's choice. You look like a child. You're like a toddler. No, no, no. So we assume that's what Tamlin's doing right now. I mean, that's what I do every time I remind myself that Valaris doesn't exist. And I, I just go like, no, I don't like it. No, more. Um, so Henry loves it. Um, <laughs> our husbands enjoy our tantrums. Yes. Um, so Christina's not entirely sure what to make of this crew yet and gives a not so subtle threat that they if they are harboring a stolen bride that she will not take part in aiding and abetting. Okay, cool out, B. I mean, chill, girl, but also she does have a point. Yeah, she doesn't want to go to war. Um, so this takes the group into a tense standoff of words. Tarquin apologizing for what Crusada has said and Reese basically not accepting the apology. Do not threaten me in my own home, reasoned, Tarquin said. My gratitude only goes so far. It's not a threat, Reese countered, the crab claws on his plate cracking open beneath invisible hands. It's a promise. 
whoa, he's a bad boy. He's our bad boy, though. He's our bad boy. Feyre proves herself here in, in her understanding of her role in this moment, in this tension. As the lords are in, raised in this threat state, she cheers them all with her glass and says, No wonder immortality never gets dull. And that's what we call a diffusion. Honestly, it's a really good move. She's really picking up the whole, like, night court flair of being, like, hmm, everything's fine. And making, like, little japeries. Yes. And I am so mad at myself that I did not point out the summer court. Oh, God, she's got her pointer. So they go from Valaris all the way over here. I assume that I think they just went. Oh, yeah, they just went out. They went out. So they all went out from Valara straight down to the summer court. And Adriata, right there. Adriata. I bet it's beautiful. It better be or else. Oh, God. I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know. Um, You're being a real crusader right now. I am. I I do love love that she is not afraid to say what she wants Mm -hmm. to fucking say. But also it goes to show, too, that Tarquin is the kind of leader that gives the birth for people. I'm I've got I've got a crush on Tarquin. For sure. And we in the next scene, like Reese also basically says, I really like them. I hate lying to them. Yeah, because they seem really chill and like I feel like they'd all have barbecues together. Yeah, because as we learn through this scene, Tarquin has a lot of the same goals that Reese does and they they could actually be friends almost. So the suite of rooms that they are given to stay in, uh, of course, sound fucking incredible. incredible. We get it. Earth sucks. Yes, I hate it here. I hate being a human. Their bedrooms connect to a lounge overlooking the sea, but this first evening, Reese joins her in her seafoam and golden bedroom. Feyre, apropos of nothing, notes that Reese's tunic is slightly unbuttoned, revealing the top of his Illyrian tattoos. We will continue to see this more and more. Feyre noting his body, his movements, his gestures to her, almost as if she's released herself from thinking about some other lord. Mm. Reese has come to strategize with Feyre, noting that he feels a sense of guilt because he, again, like we just said, actually really likes the summer court rulers. He reinforces the quest for her to find the book in whatever way she can without making them enemies. And Reese simply cannot help himself. Probably that they need to stop meeting in bedrooms because it seems to be quite distracting for them. (laughs) He asks her if she liked that Tarquin couldn't stop staring at her, and he proposes it in the most business-like inquiry that he can muster, but it's obvious that it's personal as well. Oh, yes. They toy with each other, and Reese approaches Feyre where she's leaning with her back against a dresser. Bracing his hands on either side of her, he tells her again that she has to do anything she can to get that book. Feyre will not blush for this Fae. Instead, it seems like she's ready to make him blush. Anything? His brows rose. I breathed. If I fucked him for it, what would you do? His pupils flared and his gaze dropped to my mouth. The wood dresser groaned beneath his hands. 
You say such atrocious things. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> they continue toying with one another, and Reese tells her to try to light a candle in the room, which she accidentally douses with water. And it's sort of when it ends that tension of that scene. This interaction is... Does that not make you feel like that all of a sudden, like, it's a goosh? Where he's like, yeah, yeah. Put, put out that candle. And it's just like, whoa! And uh, it's like yes. a bucket of water comes forth from her. <laughs> I do think that is an innuendo. It has to be, also, right? So, of course, it's partly because they're in, they're in the summer, summer court, court and that's but like waters his power or whatever. But this, this interaction is definitely uh, it's on the more subtle side as far as some of the scenes go. But reading it back, it really packs Ooh, a sexual tension punch. Um, it's wild. And it's, it would be an incredible scene on camera. But oh it does God. also kind of make me think of Knife or Death. And that in turn, because in Knife or Death, which, yes, is the... <laughs> Is the offshoot Where of what is that sword show? Um, but if you you got to watch Knife fire. or Death, it's off Forged in Fire. Knife or Death. Remember when they have to show they've all got their chopper knives and they've got to cut down the gallon of water and douse out the candle. And oh. so it did make me think of Knife or Death. But Knife or Death makes me think of Henry, and then I got Ew. all yucked out. No, yes, this is my problem. I mean, you are sitting next to his wife, so yes. that makes sense. Um, I do love that. That. That's where your mind went with Knife or Death. Yeah, Knife or Death. Uh, <laughs> also, though, you should be watching Knife or Death it if is, you're not. I love it. I, fair warning to anybody who is not a meat eater. They do cut oh, yes. slabs of meat. It's very gross. It's very gross. I don't like watching that part, but the rest of it's amazing. They go through obstacle courses where they chop stuff. <laughs> And I can't believe that that is what you got is out of this. Is that the most boring thing we've said on these episodes? <laughs> um, but yes, so in this scene, he's telling her to like try to light a candle and it douses the both with water, which he doesn't brush off his face and he doesn't flinch and all this stuff. And it's whew. covered in water. Um, so Feyre seems, it seems like this intensity gives her a confidence we haven't really seen in her. No one was my master. But I might be master of everything if I wished, if I dared. Ooh. So she's really like getting this build of like um, a power, like wanting strength inside Aww. of her. As Reese is about to leave, he asks her if he goes to war for her, would it win her back? No, she says pain and killing would never win her back. Reese then goes on to tell her that he believes that Tamlin locked her up because he knew what a treasure she was. And then, Jesus, okay, Reese, I'll take my clothes yes. off the board. So basically saying, like, he only locked you up because he knew what you were, how special, and he wanted to hide you away. Which I think if they weren't in the middle of flirting so hardcore with each other, I'd be like, fuck you. Oh, because I'm so great, he locked me up. But, like, in this instance, it is a very, like— adorable thing for him to say. Yes. And and like she goes on in that scene, I didn't write it down, but it's something along the lines of like, I he did love me. And Reese says, yeah, probably too much. It yeah. can be a poison. Yeah. Um, so that night they joined Tarquin on his pleasure barge, which I had to look up to see if that was a real thing because that sounds awesome. Yes. And it is. It was an Egyptian tra tradition that carried on in various forms up until today. And when I actually thought about it, Technically, I've been on a few similar because I grew up in a river city and we had the Gateway Clipper Fleet, which would it, sometimes— Would you refer to it as a pleasure barge? The no. Gateway Clipper well, Fleet? See, they didn't because I didn't connect it until this. Oh. But it technically is a pleasure barge. Okay. Because it would sometimes—it was mostly just for events. It would go up and down the river— 
and there would be bands and food and stuff on it. I guess that is a pleasure barge. It's technically a, a riverboat, but it's pretty much a pleasure barge. Pleasure pleasure barge. I feel like pleasure barge sounds like a sex move, though. It does, but you know what? Barge the gates. But did Tarquin have make your own waffle bars on theirs? Because when I went on fucking Gateway Clipper Flea as a kid, I had a waffle with whipped cream and many M and M's on it. So did they even have those in summer court? You'd probably hurt your belly now. I've been on a pleasure barge. Okay. on a pleasure barge (laughs) and I you know what I've never been on a pleasure barge and it sounds like maybe I'm just envious next time we go to Pittsburgh we'll we'll have to go on the gateway clipper I won't I won't leave Pittsburgh until you put me on the clipper okay (laughs) and we'll call it a pleasure barge and let's dress in like gowns for it oh we'll dress like we do for Akatar yeah okay deal All (laughs) right. we'll put the ears on we'll do the whole thing All right, we're doing it Anyway, Farrah is continuing. We're going to get the shit beaten out of us, aren't we? Um, It's quite possible. <laughs> uh, that's part of it. Worth I mean, it. Worth pleasure it. barge. Anyway, Farrah is continuing her disarming of Tarquin, but seems to be quite distracted by the fact that, again, she feels very pretty in her dust pink gown and headband of rose gold. And Reese hasn't so much as looked her way this evening. But she tries to play it off as, oh, it's just unusual. I, you didn't even look over here. Just a random observation I'm making. Certainly don't care anything. Oh, girl, you care. But she did feel good and pleasant in her gown. So Feyre, again, isn't totally a trouser bitch. We've we've discovered. I get it. I mean, as someone that went from a trouser bitch to a more femme human being, I completely understand. Sometimes you want to switch it up. And this is uh, some I connected to. I relate so deeply to this, what she says in this passage. Feminine. Soft. Pretty. I hadn't felt like those things in a long, long while. Hadn't wanted to. But here, being those things wouldn't earn me a ticket to a life of party planning. Here, I could be soft and lovely at sunset and awaken in the morning to slide into Illyrian fighting leathers. Who wants welcome? Yeah, the who wants welcome? It is girls. <laughs> I love that line though. I yes. do. So I feel. So Vera's trying to squeeze info from Tarquin as stealthily as possible to try to figure out just where they could be hiding the book. But she's still sort of in this like not that well of stealth stealthiness where she's like where's the treasures you want to protect the most yeah it wasn't fairly outright she's not really good at being you know coy just yet where's the stuff you keep that you would want people that to you not don't steal? want us to know yeah we're not gonna steal it we just want to know where it is uh but then she goes on to say my father was a merchant so i'm really interested in priceless jewels can i see yours <laughs> He just takes out his balls. <laughs> I just love that idea. I have a hobby of um, expensive jewelry. I just that's yeah. my passion. So if I could just see that, please. Um, that was. It does sound like a pickup line. Yes. Uh, so she goes on to explain her origin story to him, presumably to gain his trust. That you know her personal. They have a personal conversation about her poverty, his desires, that he wants to take away titles in, in, in Prithian, a goal very similar to Reese's. They have a sort of like intimate bonding conversation. In these interactions, we get a sense that the Lord of Summer is a good man, though perhaps untested, as he's a young High Lord, barely 80 years old. Baby. Pharaoh weighs this knowledge and that he th- thinks that he probably is 
a, a very good lord. And the fact that she's tasked with tricking him does not make her happy. No. She, he notices she's analyzing him and asks what she's thinking. I said boldly. I'm thinking it would be very easy to love you and easier to call you my friend. And she means it. Oh. Yet she can't help but glance at Reese afterwards to see if Did he you hear me say heard. it? <laughs> Did you hear me say what I said? I said that I could love him. Did he say me? Say it's it? like that scene in Wayne's World whenever Stacy's with the other guy. <laughs> yes. And looking Hi, over. Wayne. Hi, Wayne. <laughs> um, so what's this, though? She looks over. Oh, no, he's deeply wrapped up in conversations with Crusada. And- <gasps> They both seem quite cozy. Uh, interesting. She's struck with the thought of what will happen if he takes her to bed in his room when Feyre can hear. And it's not a happy thought. No. She stops herself before we get a fully formed idea of what she's thinking, but it's not a nice feeling. Tarquin is amused at Crusada's flirtations as they both look over at the two of them, but internally Feyre feels shame. Shame, she realizes, that she wants to tackle Crusader right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> she goes over the times Reese has flirted and teased her, but never seduced her, at least in her mind. And it sounds like she feels jealousy. Mm. But she figures that she had love and she gave it away and that she's probably destined to be alone, which, okay, Evanescence, relax. <laughs> I'll never be loved again. No. I gave it away. Um, but she can't help but... but again, she is 19, and at 19, I mean, just the thought of hearing your crush banging someone else, Ugh. I definitely would put me into an evanescence of just like, oh, I, I think me. well after 19, that would have happened yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that has happened to me in the past when I was a grown woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so she can't help but feel something when she sees Reese in, these intimate, in this intimate parlay with this woman. She realizes that she feels unhappiness, sharp unhappiness, which is a good way to describe that feeling of just like uh, it's not like a, sl- a slow burn. It's just like something that hits you in your gut. Yeah. But it's a bit of a double-edged sword for her here because she realizes that that unhappiness means that she's not fully dead inside. I was unhappy, not just broken, but unhappy. An emotion, I realized. It was an emotion rather than the unending emptiness or survival-driven terror. She's having normal sad girl thoughts. And that she she still can't admit to herself that she directly feels jealousy for Reese touching Crusada like that, for Reese touching Crusada's hand and whispering to her, if, you know, those like little seductive gest- gestures that she doesn't get from him. He gets he does the very like brash sort of like um, it's like bombastic and yeah, this, it's not gentle. Yeah, like this is. So, Which seems a lot more intimate, and, yes, I'm, and that's what like she wants. Show. Yeah, yeah. And so she realizes she can't watch it anymore, and she decides to get up and walk away. Tarquin tries to escort her, but she declines. She thinks how about again how easily it could be to fall in love with Tarquin, but that her soul is too dark for him. She's too edgy. But I wasn't entirely sure that Tarquin could understand the darkness that might always be in me, not only from Amarantha but from years spent being hungry and desperate, that I might always be a little bit vicious or restless, that I might crave peace, 
but never a cage of comfort. Who could relate? Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, that definitely I that got me in the feels because I like I feel very related to that. That you feel like a little bit dark and a little bit vicious or restless, but like not in a bad way. Yeah. It's like a hunger that you have. It's like a hunger like the wolf. Hungry like, like the wolf. wolf. There's no wolves here. So Twilight. She, no. <laughs> this <laughs> she walks off to watch the water move under the barge like a very sad girl would do. I didn't realize I'd been waiting for him until the barge docked at the base of the island city, and I'd somehow spent the entire final hour alone. Relatable. But seriously, Feyre, you got to get your head in the game. Yeah, you're on a pleasure barge. Not only that, but you got to save a huge portion of, like, Fey and humankind right now. You can't get all mall goth. On the pleasure barge, you got to focus. Oh my god, I'd be if I was nineteen on a pleasure barge, I'd be such a little oh cow in the pen. I don't know what phrase that would be, but <laughs> what that means. But I feel like I'd be a cow in the pen I don't on know a pleasure barge. <laughs> Take with it what you what you want. Chewing on cud, yeah, <laughs> cudding about. Rolling in the dirt, getting milked, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah, getting milked. Okay, got it. That makes sense. Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, you can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, uh, chapter 34 opens with Feyre being spared from any sounds from Reese's room, thankfully. She awakens in the middle of the night, however, from a nightmare and realizes that she is feeling longing for Valaris. 
feeling a sense of connection to the townhouse and the inner circle that she started to, you know, spend all this time around. But she's still in her feelings, contemplating that maybe all of this welcoming that they've given her was simply to keep her from falling apart because they need her, that they may dispose of her afterwards. She thinks she can find peace in this, that though Reese maybe doesn't care for her in that way, that maybe he could still be her friend. Though the funny thing is, she's still not openly admitting that she has feelings yes. for him in her mind. It's crazy because we live inside of Favor's brain and it's not like she's not pining for him at all. It's just very much a it's something that she wants. But I feel like she's been deprived of what she wants for so long that she has to only accept what she needs. Yeah. That like I don't think that she'll really acquiesce and give in to the wanting of him and she won't let herself kind of yeah, yeah because she's trying to protect herself yeah but she's obvious like it's at the same time like i very i can also relate to this idea of just knowing you're saying things that mean one thing but like you're thinking the other thing and you're just like yeah i just uh, i don't know it's fine it's fine yeah, uh-huh. um the next morning is an attempt to avoid reese uh she stays in her room over breakfast practicing her water taming skills in the tub and she manages to make little floating animals out of her bath water nuala arrives and helps favorite prepare for her walk to the jewel uh, tanks. Caverns? Yeah. With Tarquin. <laughs> and as she spy, and as Nuala is a spy, she's quite handy with what attire will present the biggest bang to this proposed victim, in this case, Tarquin. So Nuala is kind of helping Farah prepare for it to be like a bit of an intoxicating um, outfit. Fashion. She dresses her in summer colors and tints her cheeks and lips with pink. She weaves pearls through her hair and curls the ends. I bet it looks so badass, dude. Oof. She, that's what she needs to do. To like, she gets, she gets to get under Tarquin's skin. Yeah, man. Feyre makes her way to their meeting point where Tarquin appears with Amran and Reese. Feyre ignores Reese's stares and pretends not to notice him. And indeed, Nuala did her spying well as she has dressed Feyre in an outfit that accents Tarquin's own as though they were like wearing matching clothes. Cute. Though if I were Tarquin, that would have raised my spidey senses more than anything. Like, how did you know what I'm wearing and it matches? That's I weird. feel like he's not looking at the fashion. I think he's only looking at those delicious apple breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Feyre considers in her mind sending water dogs out to bite Reese in the ass before... <laughs> looping her arm through Tarquin's. <laughs> she gets the slightest hint that Reese is trying to reach out through the bond and does the thing instead of <laughs> responding, goes to Tarquin. <laughs> <laughs> You're so funny, Tarquin. Funny. Funnier than the other lords. You're the funniest lord I've ever met. <laughs> and uh, in fact, she's never smiled at Reese like this, she recalls, since she's been so haunted for so long. She's hasn't smiled at anybody in a flirtatious way in recent memory. <laughs> just imagining trying to smile in a flirtatious way. I'm just just like, <laughs> just tight-lipped. <laughs> Is that flirty bird? Am I being? <laughs> I mean, some, 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 somebody. <laughs> There's someone out there for me. <laughs> You're not allowed to flirt anymore. You're a married no, woman. No, I'm taken. So, Tarquin and Pharaoh stroll through as many vaults of jewels that reside under his island castle. 
During their Sick. Yeah, it's pretty cool. During their walk, Tarquin continues to flatter Feyre, and she continues to feel like a cad for lying to him. Feyre's, Feyre eyes a necklace of black diamonds, and Tarquin implores her to take it as a token of gratitude for saving them all under the mountain. She considers in that moment just asking him for the book because they are actually feeling quite friendly to each other that it would be better to be honest with this potential ally. But the risk of revealing their plan is too great. However, he does give her an impassioned speech, one that is resonant of Reese's own desires. It's clear that Tarquin doesn't fully believe that Reese is the monster he claims to be. It's like he listens. So basically he alludes to... I know everyone says Rizan is this terrible being, this creature, this monster of night, but he didn't – he helped me under the mountain. It, it seems like he may have actually been trying to, like, save us because if you remember in the first book – that summer court Faye was caught and Amarantha forced Reese to go into the, the Faye's mind and she wanted to know if he was, you know, conspiring. And Reese said he was a lone wolf. He didn't know there's nobody else. And Tarquin knows that's not true. And then he killed him instead of like shattering him and leaving him in a like corpse husk. Yeah. That he was still aw- like kind like of aware, tortured, like being tortured forever. And he just kills him instead, which which Tarquin does see as something that was helping this man who got caught overall. Right. And yeah, he didn't sell the summer court out to Amarantha. Sometimes I think Rizand, I think he may have been her whore to spare us all from her full attention. So he kind of saying like, I see what this is and you're not actually these bad people. Feyre takes in this information that Tarquin believes Reese to be good and his hopes to become allies. He goes on to say that he will not reveal that Feyre was here at the summer court to Tamlin. You get a sense of real camaraderie between Feyre and Tarquin in these exchanges. And then they kiss amongst the jewels. They don't. But what if they did? I was like, wait, what? No, they don't. In my brain, they do, though. They kiss amongst the jewels. I mean, I'm sure there's some fanfic of this. Oh, yeah, has to be. Covered in jewels. That would actually be very uncomfortable during sex. Like, ow, yeah, ow, ow, yeah. ow. Um, Especially, I'm, I can't imagine they're all, like, you know, polished down either. So they're just like technically jagged sharp. rocks. Yeah. yeah. Um, she is, in fact, earning his trust. And she is also, in fact, feeling immensely conflicted about lying to him in his court. They spend the whole afternoon together walking through his troves. And yet she doesn't feel a single pull towards any of them, indicating that the book of breathings is near. Eventually, she returns to the bedroom they've provided her. Reese is laying across the bed already oh when she walks in. God. She's very irritated still, but doesn't fail to note that his long legs are stretched out before him. He wants to know how the scouring, scouring, that's a hard word to say. It is, scouring. He wants to know how the scouring went. And though she knows he means about the book, she can't help but taunt him with the beautiful necklace Tarquin has given her. She snaps at Reese, telling him that Tarquin is a good male and he should just directly ask him for the book, that he wants the Night Court's alliance. Reese counters that Crusada has warned him of her cousin's ambitions. And that's all Feyre can take. Oh, did she tell you that before, during, or after you took her to bed? Whoa, just came right out and asked. Honestly, kind of nice communication. Yeah. We're between two no people games. that don't. No games. She's asking. Suddenly, Reese has some confirmation of something that he has suspected, perhaps hoped. 
Favor might be jealous. <laughs> she counters, if I'm jealous, then you're jealous about Tarquin and his honey pouring. There is an impassioned anger coursing in between them. Reese tersely tells her that he did no such thing, and he waited for Feyre at breakfast. They argue, and she asks if it got under his skin that Tarquin got her attention. What got under my skin, Reese said, his breathing a bit uneven, is that you smiled at him. Oh, he just wants her to smile at him. My heart. So Reese admits he is also jealous, but neither will admit exactly as to why. Because I like like you. Just say it. I like no, like they you. they won't. They won't. Because then he go- goes on to say, I was jealous that no one will ever look at me this way. Mm. So before we get too excited that they're going to kiss, he pulls back the statement that, yeah, no one will ever look at him with pretty smiles and hard eyes because he maintains that mask of darkness. And that Tarquin gets to be this handsome young male ruling over the pretty summer lands yeah. that women will fall in love with over and over again. Yeah, they will. So... Yes, I was jealous of him because it will always be easy for him. And he will never know what it is to look up at the night sky and wish. The Court of Dreams. The people who knew that there was a price and one worth paying for that dream. The bastard-born warriors. The Illyrian half-breed. The monster trapped in a beautiful body. The dreamer born into a court of nightmares. And the huntress with an artist's soul. Don't she needs you to pay. forget yeah, about me. me. I no, don't understand no, no, me. No. I need to paint. It reminded me of the end of Breakfast Club. I could see that. Um, so even in her isolation and loneliness, she knows on some level that she belongs with them. That little band of weirdos. She lets this fight go. And she pours them, she goes over to like where the liquor is stored and pours them each a generous amount in glasses. To the people who look at the stars and wish, Reese. He picked up his glass, his gaze so piercing that I wondered why I had bothered blushing at all for Tarquin. Reese clinked his glass against mine. To the stars Stars. who listen and the dreams that are answered. Whoa! <laughs> I'm sorry that twenty percent of this episode is us just going. Oh, it's gonna get. I feel like it's gonna get worse. Oh yeah, there's gonna be a lot more where this came from. Oh, but these lines to the people who look at the mm. stars and wish to the stars who listen in the dreams that are answered. Vera's is feeling decidedly lighter the next day, as though this little revelation about Reese has soothed her fears a bit. She's able to go amongst the people of Summer Court and see that perhaps even though she had to do these horrible things under the mountain, that some of these people get to live and see another day because of it. As she walks through the city, she tries to sense the book anywhere to little avail. She's returning back to the palace but she notes that Amran and Varian are standing near each other but ignoring one another, and yet not. A cat playing with a dog. That's what it was. Amran was practically washing herself, silently daring him to get close enough to sniff. I doubted Varian would like her claws. Unless that was why he hounded her day and night. It's a fun comparison. It really is. This royal Varian has this kind of spirit that sort of wants to be afraid of this female who may kill him. 
but is also probably like a minx in the sack. She's got to be good at it. So he's sort if of you're, like if you're like how many hundreds and hundreds or thousands of years old? I possibly? think a millennia. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to be good at it at that point. <laughs> but also, like, you know, you need somebody who can handle that. And so this is like a warrior man mm. who seems to be very interested in her. Yes. So as Faye is observing this, she's passing a series of open windows looking out at the sea and notices a small building way out from the shore that she realizes can only be seen at low tide. And she gets a feeling, a book feeling. <gasps> That night when they dine with the royal summer court, she has to get confirmation that this is where the book's being held. So she throws it out there during the meal. Again, another one of these like casting the net uh, in such a weirdly obvious yeah. way. She's like, hey, that building uh, looks cool. Let's Whoa. go. Let's go to that building. What's out there in that one? <laughs> I want to go look at that specifically one building. So not exceptionally smooth, but in doing so, she notes the look that Tarquin and Crusader give each other, and it's enough to convince her that this is where the book lives. However, now that she's brought it to their attention, she has another problem. Their antennas are up with concern. Yeah, dude. Because you just literally asked. You, like, literally asked about it. So even if they don't know what the book does, they do know that they are tasked with protecting it in its ancient magic because it's been held here for thousands of years. So Feyre does what she considers a betrayal. She enters Tarquin's mind. There was a shield in place, a shield of sea glass and coral and the undulating sea. But Feyre knows this shield. It exists within her. She morphs into it, becomes it, becomes him, becomes the sea. Whoa. She enters his private space and hears his thoughts of worry over her and her inquiries. She changes the thoughts. Safe. She is safe. She is harmless. She is kind and sad and broken. A dark trick, yet perhaps necessary in this moment, and it works. His clouded eyes clear up. He's satiated. He invites her to meet with him in the morning to tour the city. When they reintegrate into the conversation with the others at the table, Feyre notes Crusader and Varian's vacant expressions and ponders on whether or not Reese has just done the same to them. Oh, that is a big, I mean, you want people to trust. You want to be able to, like, she's got to learn how to trust again. And I know that she's doing this to save her and to save many, many people. But, ooh, that is an untrustworthy thing to do. I know. I mean, like, a Damati's, like, pretty. That's a dark skill to have. Yeah, dude. So, before uh, the night after dinner, Reese and Amron meet with Feyre to plan the attack or the, you know, not the attack really, but to get the book in secret. Before Amron arrives, Reese marvels at how well Feyre infiltrated Tarquin's mind. She didn't realize that Reese had re- known that, but Feyre is not flattered. She's upset. She didn't like the feeling of invading yeah. someone else in that way. She's a good person. Yeah. He re- I can't tell if you're being. <laughs> she is a good surprise. person. She is. She is a good person. She, um, he reveals that, it, that he, in fact, did do the same to the others in that room, and he tries to calm her discomfort, that being a Damati never fully feels right, but it's sometimes it's important to use the skill. I would not want that skill. No. I don't—I wouldn't want that power. I don't want—like—I I wouldn't want that at all. I don't want to know what people are thinking. No. Ugh. No, it's hard enough just, like, looking at people's faces. If somebody's saying something mean about me, I'm all, that's all I'm going to think about for, yeah, like, dude. about weeks. Yeah. So 
Amrin arrives and promptly says that the building is a stupid place to hide the book. (laughs) (laughs) And the last place one would look, Reese said, prowling away from me to take a seat on the vanity stool before the window. They could spell it easily enough against wet and decay, a place only visible for brief moments throughout the day when the land around it is exposed for all to see. You could not ask for a better place. We have the eyes of thousands watching us. Um, so that all that stuff makes me think, do you ever see The Rescuers? Is that the one with the seagull? Uh, is there a seagull in that movie? I just is there, remember oh, they fly Ryan on a bird. They, yeah, oh, they're yes, flying on a bird. They're, 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 they're transportation. I mean, you think of it because in the movie that a little orphan has to get a skull out of uh, or get a diamond out of a skull. The old woman named Medusa. Yeah. It's like in a thing where the tide's low and that she can oh, only fit yeah. herself in there. Yes. Because Medusa wants the diamond. And she makes the little girl go down in the hole and then the water comes in. Yeah, it's very scary. I love it was spooky and I loved that movie. As I kid. think I watched it too young when I first saw it, and then I got I was really scared of it, and then I watched it older and I was like, what the hell was I scared of? But I was very scared when I was young of it. I was watching clips of it for this episode and I was like, oh no, I think Medusa's kind of fun. Yeah. I think as a kid I was supposed to be scared of her, but now I'm like, I like her style. That's the problem. I mean, um, same with Maleficent. This is the problem is as you get older, you know, especially as goth girls, you fall in love with the villainesses. I kinda always love Maleficent. Yeah, Maleficent is badass. Um, so I don't stand Medusa, though, because she did steal a child. Mm. So the trio waits until the following night to make their move on the building under the sea. Under the sea. Well, um, Farah is racked with <laughs> is racked with guilt. Following the following day, as she pretends that they will have breakfast with the royals, so she basically the whole day leading up to the the this attack they're going to do at night, she just feels like shit because she has to keep lying. And they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna see you breakfast tomorrow." Yep. And they're so nice, and they're so trusting of them. As night falls, they go on with their plan. Reese will fly the two females out over the building and drop them at the entrance, which is on the roof because of the way the water sits. You have to kind of go in from the top. He will remain on guard outside while Feyre will hopefully use her connection to Tarquin to be able to gain access. Emrin's ancient magic will serve as a way to detect shields and traps around the book. When they are dropped onto the building, they realize that they're going to have to dig through sea slop that's covering the hatch no. entrance. So, Jackie, this would not be your skill and your no, bag. No, I don't like this, this adventure. I wouldn't like it at all. Also, it's water, and I'm terrified of water. So Yeah, this is all gross and slimy. Yeah. Um, they're soon covered in mud and worms, I assume. Ah! But they've managed to reveal a round door with a carved whirl in the center. Amarin notes that this has been here far predating Tarquin and that he's probably never even been in this building before, that... The power to open it simply transfers to each reigning lord. So, Feyre says, here goes nothing. She places her hand on the carved hatch. My fingers froze to it, as if the power were leeching my essence, drinking as Amran drank, and I felt it hesitate. Question. I am Tarquin. I am summer. I am warmth. I am sea and sky and planted field. She leans further and further into the power of Tarquin until she becomes him in soul and spirit. And she succeeds. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Pretty metal. She succeeds at unlocking the hatch, but it comes with a cost of her strength, as though the magic ceiling is pulling at her own. 
When they peer inside, they find a spiral staircase winding down around into the gloom like a fancy sewer. Mm. The power emanating from the book inside is overwhelming. As they make their way down, they realize that the bottom half is still submerged in stagnant water. They have to get in and trudge through the frigid sludge. They cross the antechamber and see a door. Both Feyre and Amran confirm that's where it is. They can feel the book's power. Feyre again has to use her Tarquin facade to get past this door, and while she eases into it faster, it sucks even more of her energy out. The door swings open, and they're greeted by a completely dry room. As they step through the doorway, the water remains hovering at the other side of the antechamber as though it was against glass. There it is, the half of the Book of Breathings. (gasps) It's just a simple lead box, but it radiates such terrible power. Amran uses her skills to assess the lack of extra spells around it and tells Feyre she must be the one to pick it up. Feyre doesn't want to. It's essence filling them both with foreboding. But the tide's about to come back in. No! And if it rises over the lip of that building, not even Tarquin could stop the flow of the sea. This this is a very scary part for me because especially of just, like, waiting for the water to come back in. Mm. So that, like, I mean, you can magic yourself all you want, but you can definitely drown in that water. Yeah, and also be trapped in, like, a claustrophobic tube Ooh. and drowning. That sucks. So... Feyre again chants and morphs and becomes Tarquin, or so she thought. The box quieted, as if that were answer enough. I snatched the box off the pedestal, the metal biting into my hands, the power an oily smear through my blood. An ancient, cruel voice hissed. Liar. And the door slammed shut. As chapter 37 opens, Feyre and Amran are trapped like rats. Oh! They're in, stuck inside the chamber holding the book, and they can hear the tide rushing in right outside the door. Amran makes quick work of the spell on the door, but in doing so, it seems to have released the spell that prevented the book from getting wet. The oh, book no. room from getting wet. Yeah, so the seawater crashes in at them, threatening to push them back into the back of the room and from the rage of the current. But Feyre wills her power to wade through the door with Amran. She's got the power of the water! Water power, but only so much. You can't take, you can't fight against the whole sea. You and know? it's all still, she still only has a drip of Tarquin's seed inside of her. So <laughs> she doesn't have the whole ocean's worth, just a tiny little seed. They didn't jerk off on her. <laughs> Okie cookie. Um, so, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and also she just got all the her power sucked out of her from opening yeah, the doors. Yeah, dude. Yeah, so the water comes splash, splashing in at them. They get slammed into the back of the room. But then she grabs Amran. She kind of throws her on her back, like piggyback style, and then like wades Yoda. through. Yeah, sort of like Yoda. And they capture, and they they uh, as the the tide comes through, and they're captured by it. But it's too late for them to get to the top. The force of the returning tide has slammed the porthole closed, and they are. The, it's filled with water. The tides come back in. The, <gasps> the tops slam down on them, and they are out of time. They are stuck out of air and out of choices, and that's how the books end. No, it's not! You that crazy funny, That's going to be funnier every time I do it. <laughs> so just as their lungs are about to give out— then the door was ripped away, and the light remained bright enough for me to see the three 
beautiful, ethereal faces hissing through fish's teeth as their spindly webbed fingers snatch us out of the stairs and into their frog skin arms. Water wraiths. Yay! We got a moral victory! Yay! Because she helped the water wraiths. As they grab the ladies, Farah's lungs can hold out no longer and she swallows the lungs worth of seawater. The wraiths zip through the rising sea level, breaking the surface, but now Farah's choking. So they give her a good punch in the gut. Yeah, that's how you do it. And it gets it right out of her. And that's as good as it's going to get. It, the wraiths watch her and say simply, Our sister's debt is paid. Short and to the point. Because these wraiths, like everybody has like these feelings about them. It's because they're not warm and fluffy and soft, but they are, they're, they did their thing. They, they said, paid the debt. Yeah. You did this for us. We'll do this for you. I'll punch you, get the water out, but I'm not taking you to shore and like stroking your hair. Nah. So I'm glad I called that guy. Billy Madison. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy Madison. <laughs> You remember Steve Buscemi comes in and shoots. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? <laughs> Glad it got that guy. Um, <laughs> they managed to make it to the nearest shore and collapse on the sand. Shortly, they're awoken by Rizan, who, despite their near-death experience, seemed awfully unconcerned. That's because he knows who his bitches mm. are, okay? Mm. They can they handle got themselves. got through that shit. They don't need him. Well, thank God the water rays were there. Yeah. So that would not have been the case, but... But Farrah and Amron are still pissed. Where was he? Yeah, dude. Apparently, when she grabbed the book, it set off some kind of magical alarm system. So he was out knocking out every guard. Uh, Amron calls him a stupid bastard, which makes me love her for how little she's intimidated by him. Still, they are in kind of big trouble here. If their plans had went accordingly, they would have slipped out undetected and made it an excuse to the summer court later about why they had to leave before dawn. Now that is off the table. Reese windows them all out and back to the townhouse, and mud and dirt and sand are all over their lovely carpets. I imagine they can magic that clean. Well, that's what Nuala and Serdwan will do. Oh, I hope they don't. I hope they don't have to clean the carpets. It's got to be difficult if you're half made of like mist to like really get down and like use a dustpan. I don't think they do that. I think that they do like handmaiden things. So that's like a different thing altogether. It's much sexier. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Feyre and Amran are a big mess here. And the inner circle, including Reese, are waiting for Feyre and Amran to explain what happened because nobody knows what just went on. They're just like these two soggy ass women um, <laughs> laying on the ground and also wondering why these rays were being so nice as to escort them back. Oh, actually, Amrin is also wondering why these soggy women were so nice to be escorted back to the surface. So because Amrin still doesn't she knows she that they're alive, know. oh, but yeah. she doesn't know why that happened. So Feyre explains her interaction with the wraiths in the spring court during tith the tithing. Despite the danger they were just in, Amrin starts laughing only an immortal with a mortal heart would have given one of those horrible beasts the money. It's so... Amran laughed again. Feyre joins in in her laughter, and while it's sort of a hysterical sort, it's sort of a bonding experience between her and Amran. It would, of course, have to be certain death, a certain death adventure that would endear someone to Amran. Like, this is, that's the way Amran finds friends. Like, we almost just died in a tube in the okay, sea. Okay, I like you. Yeah. 
And it's probably a confirmation of their friendship that Feyre is worthy of her time. In fact, when Feyre helps her to her feet a moment later, Amryn gives her hand a little squeeze, which is about as close to a hug as you're going to get with her. They all stand over the book, which Feyre has pulled out of her jacket, and they wince at its dominance and threat. The book speaks with Feyre, and she has to plead with it to open until finally it says, Unmade and made, made and unmade. That is the cycle. Like calls to like. So the lead box holding the book opens, and it's not a traditional book. It's formed of metal plates bound with three rings of gold, silver, and bronze. And it's, it's the text inside of it is another language. In fact, Reese seemed to anticipate this, and it seems also that's why he wanted Amran involved. It seems it's written in an ancient language that Amran recognizes. It is the Lashon Hakodesh, the holy tongue. This book has something to do with Amran's origin story, it seems, though neither she nor Reese further clarify how, really. He does say, however, that he believes that this book may hold the key to Amran returning home, if she so desires. So home being the other planet, universe that yes, she comes from. Yes, and going from. back to being a beastie. So the group mulls over why the King of Hybern would have resurrected Jurian as they're going through these plans that they're making and trying to figure out how, like, when they get the book together, what they're doing next. And they want to know why. Why did King of Hybern resurrect Jurian and why is Jurian staying an ally with him? Though they don't know, Reese speculates that Jurian went mad being trapped in that ring for so long. And now he will help assist the king so he can exact his revenge on his former lover, Miriam, who he believes to be dead. So they... They think he wants to resurrect Miriam just to, like, punish her. As they talk, Feyre notices Reese watching her. And she says internally to him, to the dreams that are answered. A heartbeat later, a sensual caress trailed along my mental shields. A polite request. I let it drop, let him in, and his voice filled my head. To the huntress who remembered to reach back for those less fortunate, and water wraiths who swim very, very fast. Oh, oh my God. Man, so much. So much we got through, and yet only about 10 chapters. <laughs> well, because so much happens in these I books. Know. This is just a, like a mere fraction. This isn't even like, that's not even like the big like action scene in mm -mm. it. And it's crazy. So much happens in these books. She's so great at writing books that just keep you sucked in. Mm -hmm. The entire time. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of you have re uh, written out and said that, that you were trying to keep steady with the episodes and then you just read all the books completely. I love you. I completely uh, understand. <laughs> but thank you for still joining us every week. Really yes. appreciate it. We love it. Uh, because this is unbelievable and I'm still, I'm mad. I hate being a human. I hate it. I hate it. Um, I hate it so much. And uh, so we will just shut down like robots until next week and then when we get to be Faye again. We'll yes. be back here. Talk to you guys next week. Please read up until chapter 44 or page 427 in the paperback edition. And now, dudes grappling with erotica for educational purposes only. Featuring Danny Tamborelli and Jeremy Ballon. I was reading in bed, listening to the merry chatter of the toasty birch fire across the room. 
when I turned the page of my book and a piece of paper fell out. I took one look at the cream stationery and the handwriting and sat up straight. On it, Rysand had written, I might be a shameless flirt, but at least I don't have a horrible temper. You should come tend to my wounds from our squabble in the snow. I'm bruised all over thanks to you. Something clicked against the nightstand, and a pen rolled across the polished mahogany. Hissing, I snatched it up and scribbled. Go lick your wounds and leave me be. The paper vanished. It was gone for a while, far longer than it should have taken to write a few words that appeared on the paper when it returned. I'd much rather you licked my wounds for me. My heart pounded. My heart pounded faster and faster, and a strange sort of rush went through my veins as I read the sentence again and again. A challenge. I clamped my lips shut to keep from smiling as I wrote. Lick you where exactly? The paper vanished before I'd ever completed the final mark. His reply was a long time coming. Then, wherever you want to lick me, friar, I'd start with everywhere, but I can choose if necessary. I wrote back, let's hope my licking is better than yours. I remember how horrible you were at it under the mountain. Lie. (laughs) He'd licked away my tears when I'd been a moment away from shattering. Had come to patch me up a few times, but no one risked quite so much in keeping me not only alive, but as mentally intact as I could be, considering the circumstances. Just as he'd been doing these past few weeks, taunting and teasing me to keep the hollowness at bay, just as he was doing now. I was under duress, his next note read. If you want, I'd be more than happy to prove you wrong. I've been told I'm very, very good at licking. I clenched my knees together and wrote back, Good night. A heartbeat later, his note said, Try not to moan too loudly when you dream about me. I need my beauty rest. I got up, chucked the letter in the burbling fire, and gave it a vulgar gesture. I could have sworn laughter rumbled down the hall. Hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, 
You can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.